Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But to know God is to love Him, and to love Him is to obey Him. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and yet none of us have kept the commandments of God. And aren't you glad that we have an advocate in heaven, Jesus Christ, the righteous, the one who paid the price for you and I? God looks at him, and he looks at us. And regardless of how you feel tonight, no matter what you've done this week already, no matter what shameful thing you've thought of, no matter what shameful thing you have personally have done, God sees you if you're a Christian as if you'd never done it. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy as we enter chapter 11. Our message today is centered on the love and obedience we must have for our God. Moses reminds the nation of Israel that if they love their God and obey His commandments, there will be rewards. However, disobedience can bring unfavorable consequences. The same applies to us today in our walk with Jesus Christ. Jesus tells us that if we love Him, we will obey Him. We can always say we love God, but are we walking in obedience to His Word? Let's follow Pastor Rob with our message for today. Tonight we're going to take communion. and uh, But first we're going to get into Deuteronomy. Last time we were together before Christmas, uh, we looked at chapters 9 and 10 of Deuteronomy. And if you remember, it was in chapter 10 where the children of Israel, uh, God had um, given them the Ten Commandments. And if you remember, it's recorded for us back in Exodus 32 where God had told Moses to carve out these two tables of stone and to bring them up on top of the mountain. And God would write himself with his own finger the, the Ten Commandments, and he would write them with his own finger. And I'd love to find those tablets somewhere, you know, to find them. I don't know where they're at, but I'd love to find them because it's probably the most beautiful thing we've ever seen, uh, his handwriting. Can you imagine the handwriting of God? Can you imagine the penmanship <laughs> of Almighty God, you know? And so, um, so they wrote those, uh, God wrote those tablets with his own hand, and you remember the incident where it came to, Moses came down from the mountain, and he sees the... Aaron and the children of Israel, just having come out of Egypt, it hadn't been a very long time at all, and here they are resorting back because he'd been up there for 40 days and 40 nights. They're like, what has become of our leader? What has become of this Moses who was going to deliver us from this, this iron yoke of, of Egypt and then bring us into the promise? And where is he? And see, we know from hindsight that it was 40 days and 40 nights, but can you imagine how they felt? You know, without, I mean, they, they were in gross sin, there's no doubt about it, but can you imagine? They didn't know that it was going to be 40 days and 40 nights. Can you imagine the 39th day? 
They're thinking, you know, he probably died up there, probably got bit by a viper. He's gone. He's with the Lord. What are we going to do now? Right? But we know that it was 40 days and 40 nights because that's when it terminated. But when they were going through it, they did not know how long it was going to take. And isn't that true? Sometimes the hardest lessons that we go through are when we don't see the end. But God knows the end. He knew how long he was going to have him up there. And so he brought him down. And you remember, this is a historical fact. This is not a story. This is a fact. They come down. He sees them making this molten calf and dancing and cutting themselves and, and, and having a pretty exciting time. And, and therefore, you know, Moses smashes those ten tablets, or those ten commandments, those two tablets. And then in, in chapter 10, God had him make two tablets again, and this time, you know, bring it up again, and he'll do the same thing. He'll write on the tables of stone. And so he did. And he was up there another 40 days and 40 nights. And so we get into, and then, you know, in the balance of chapter 10, we see, you know, God just... Uh, encouraging them to godliness and to turn away from their sin. And we get into chapter 11. It says, Therefore, therefore, you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his judgments, and his commandments always. You know, you think about that. You shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his commandments, and his commandments always. You know, to know God is to love God, and to love God is to obey God, right? I mean, to know, to know him, you're going to fall in love with him. And if you love him, didn't Jesus say, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. You'll keep my commandments. Now, we know that there's not one of us who can keep the commandments. In fact, the Ten Commandments weren't given so that we could somehow go through this checklist every day and say, well, I fulfilled that one, I fulfilled that one, I did that one, when the truth of the matter is we've probably broken several today because, remember, Jesus said, it has been said that if you, you know, he went through this, these externals that the children of Israel were so used to going through, the external commands, you shall not covet, you shall not commit fornication, you shall not... Uh, do this, you know, do that. And, and it was all external things. You shall not murder. But then Jesus, remember, he, he turned it inward instead of this outward thing. See, any one of us can say, well, I've never murdered anybody, at least everybody except for Tom. But um, I'm just kidding. Tom hasn't murdered anybody today. Um, no, but all, these are all external things. But Jesus was more concerned about what's happening inside because it's inside that these things happen. It's the same emotion that provokes the physical response. And so he's concerned about the motive. He's concerned about what's in here, the inside, because whatever's in here is ultimately going to express itself outwardly. And so he says, what, if you even looked on a woman to lust at her with her in your heart, you've already committed adultery. If you hate your brother inside, you've already murdered him. But to know God is to love him, and to love him is to obey him. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and yet none of us have kept the commandments of God. And aren't you glad that we have an advocate in heaven, Jesus Christ, the righteous, the one who paid the price for you and I? God looks at him, and he looks at us. And regardless of how you feel tonight, no matter what you've done this week already, no matter what shameful thing you've thought of, no matter what shameful thing you have personally have done, God sees you, if you're a Christian, as if you'd never done it. If you've confessed that sin, he puts it under the blood, and it's no longer seen. He has a perfect memory, but he can perfectly forget, and he chooses to because of the blood, 
because of the blood and pity the, pity the man or woman who doesn't have the blood of Christ covering their life because their sins will come back in a, in a, in a book at the end when they will all stand before God. Can you imagine in Revelation chapter 20, every, the death and hell will be brought up before God and all those who are not, whose names are not written in the book of life, a book will be opened, the book of life, and then books will be opened of the deeds of those who have rejected Christ. And those things will be read to them. Can you imagine standing there before that jury? There's only one judge. There's no jury. It's him by himself. There's no two or three witnesses. It's Almighty God who is perfect in knowledge. Can you imagine? But to know him is to love him. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And notice what he says in verse 2. He says, no today. Now remember, he's speaking to these, this group of people, because in, in this book of Deuteronomy, just to quickly uh, say this, it, it's, a, it's a, a retelling of what has already occurred. It's a retelling of things that God has already done in their life, and he's reiterating for them, also telling them of the good things that they've done and also the bad things that they've done. And see, God is always like that. He wants to encourage you when you're going right and you're doing the right things, but he also wants to warn you of things because we are prone to wickedness. And God knows this. He knows this. And notice what he says to this new generation that's just about to inherit the promised land. They've got their toes right there on the Jordan, and they're about ready to cross over. And he's speaking to them, and he's saying, I want to tell you what your forefathers did, what your parents did, who all died in the wilderness, by the way, and now you are growing up, and now you've got little ones coming up, and, and they're watching you. He says, but you have seen these things. You have seen these things. And that's who he's talking to. He's talking to this generation who saw through their parents. And now they're older, and now they've got little kids growing up. And they are the ones who saw these mighty works that God has done. He says, know today that I do not speak with your children who have not known and who have not seen the chastening of the Lord your God, his greatness and his mighty hand and his outstretched arm his signs and his acts which he did in the midst of Egypt, to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to all his land, what he did to the army of Egypt, to their horses and their chariots, how he made the waters of the Red Sea overflow them as they pursued you, and how the Lord has destroyed them to this day. And all of these events are very fresh in our mind. We, we, we've read them and we know them. The, the, the things that they went through that night when they, the, the angel of death passed over, and where we get the term Passover that we celebrate. The blood on the lentil, the lamb, you know, everyone inside the house, whoever... Pack as many people in that house and put the blood of the lamb on the, on the top doorpost and on the t- two sides of the, of the door. And anyone who is in there will be saved. Anyone else, the firstborn of that household, dies. And we're very familiar with that. We're very familiar with the plagues that preceded that. How God judged every single one of the Egyptian gods. The Nile River that they worshipped. The cows, the, 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 the flies, the, 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 the everything, all the things that they had uh, that they worshipped, God judged those things. And so now, and then, and then they go through the Red Sea, one of the most significant events in history, over two million people going through a body of water. And the Bible says that God separated the waters and there was a wall on either side of them. And they walk through on dry ground. Notice that. Never mis- <laughs> misread that. 
God has a way. He can do anything he wants. He created the elements, everything that you're, the, the chair you're seated on, the very elements, the very molecules are holding it together. That's the power of God and the very atom of everything that is alive today. And he holds it all together. He said, verse 5, And what he did for you in the wilderness until you came to this place, and what he did to Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the son of Reuben, how the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up, their households, their tents, and all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of all Israel. But your eyes have seen this, these very great acts of the Lord which he did. Your eyes, not your children, but you have seen it. And doesn't it, there's almost an implication, there's almost a, a, a very strong suggestion, uh, maybe a commandment in this whole thing, is, is don't be content with what you have taken in, what you've seen with your own eyes. And we're going to see this later. It's important to teach them to our kids, to our grandkids, because I need to show to my daughter the things that God did in my life. You need to show and to rehearse before them the things that God did in your life. Start writing them down. If you remember things of the past, start writing them down and make a little journal of great things that God has done. Even the little silly, mundane things that, that are significant to you, write them down because one day you're gonna, you can sit with your children, your grandkids, and you can say, you know what? I can tell you how the Lord has been faithful to me. I went through this. I was, I was uh, diagnosed with a disease, and the church prayed for me. I had people praying for me. And you know what? I went in the very next day, and, or you know, a week later, and they did the ultrasound, or they did the CAT scan, whatever it is, and they discovered that the mass was no longer in my body. And it was fixed. <laughs> it was malignant, and it, now it's gone. There's no trace of it. How? And you start rehearsing those things. Your eyes have seen now share that with your kids, with your grandkids. But I want to take a moment here. Now, there's a lot of history that we just browsed over, and we, we all are very familiar with the, the Passover and the plagues and the flies and all of that stuff, and then the Passover, and then them leaving, and then being out in the wilderness and the things that they had done out there. But there's one event that I want to share with you because I think it's so pertinent to what we are all experiencing today, and that's the event with Dathan and Abiram. In fact, um, you know, I want to touch on this because as we get closer to Jesus' return, we'll see more and more those who reject and despise authority and despise governments. And we see that happening today. I don't know that there's ever been a generation that, I mean, ever since I have been a young person and up to the point where I am now, I don't recall a time ever where I've seen such rebellion against any any authority figure, no matter what it is. It could be parents. It could be the police officers. It could be local government. It could be federal government. It doesn't matter. Any authority, any authority is immediately suspect and is immediately resisted because our hearts have grown cold, our hearts have grown wicked, and the world is filled with wicked people that need a Savior, that need to know that Jesus died for them. They can't continue in their rebellion. They cannot continue. They do, but they cannot, and they should not. And God has given us this great message to share. It reminds me of Psalm 2, where it says, Why do the heathen rage and the nations imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth gather themselves together against the Lord and against his anointed, against his Messiah. And they say, let's cast 
their cords from us. Sunday evening, we're going to get into Psalm 2, and, and we're going to talk about this psalm. But they resist authority. They, re, they reject it. They resist it. They rebel against it. And it's like that having uh, an umbilical cord. You know, there's this wonderful lifeline between us and God. Just like a mother has with her newborn infant, as soon as the baby comes out, there's an umbilical cord attached where the child gets all the nutrients, has been getting the nutrients for over nine months or at least nine months. Everything that the mother eats is being given to the child. The child lives because of what the mother is giving. And there that child is swimming in an amniotic sac, not even taking a breath of air yet, and yet being fed by its mother. And you think about Psalm 2, and you think about um, authority in our lives, and are we going to cut that umbilical cord and everything around us? God, he loves us so much that he wants to give us that, that love and give us a heart that would gladly submit to him, gladly submit to him and be obedient, even when authorities don't deserve it, perhaps. Being obedient, even though it doesn't feel right. Being obedient, regardless. So, one more verse in Second Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 9, it says this, The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who walk according to the flesh and the lust of uncleanness, and here it is, despise authority. They despise authority. And we are living in those days where people despise authority. They despise government. They despise anything that's ruling over them, especially even a boss at work. Well, I can do a better job. They don't know my job like I know it. I know the people who are calling us, and this guy has no clue of what he's talking about. He's just sitting behind a desk, and we get this attitude, and then we start um, complaining and bickering, and then we start gathering people around us, and it just becomes this nice, wonderful mob. And before you know, there's people out picketing because we're discontent with authority, We're, because we think that we always know best. Everybody thinks that they know best. And the fact of the matter is, we really don't know what's best. Sometimes I think the greatest thing, of uh, the greatest work of faith in our lives is being obedient when it doesn't make sense. Because it doesn't always make sense to be obedient. Think of how many things God had asked the children of Israel to do. Think of how many things he had the prophets do that made no sense. In the natural, it made no sense to them. Why would he have Ezekiel lie on his side for a hundred and some days and then flip on his other side and then build a little model of Jerusalem? Why would he cause them to do these certain things and, and, and maybe God not revealing all the implications of it, but yet they were obedient. They, 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 they listened and they didn't despise authority. They just submitted to it. To me, that's one of the great leaders. Uh, a great leader is someone who can be obedient and not ask all the questions. It's not wrong to ask a question. You know, my daughter will say, well, why? I'll tell her, honey, we need to do this. I need you to do this. Well, why? Why can't I do that? And sometimes, if I can, I'll give her an answer. Sometimes I don't have an answer, but she should do the, it anyway, right? And to me, <laughs> I'm glad she's not here tonight, but um, not to embarrass her, because I was the same way, and so were you. Your parents would say one thing, and you'd do another. 
And we would think we knew best, and we just continued, but we despised it. We despised it. And he, he goes on, he goes, They despise authority. They are presumptuous and self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, of glories, of anyone who is in a, in a, in a, in a place of authority. Whereas angels who are greater in power and might, they don't even bring a railing accusation against them before the Lord. Here the angels are, you know, created beings, and they are not even bringing a railing accusation against authorities to God. The powers that be are ordered by God. Isn't that what it says in Romans 13? And will you be afraid of that power? We better submit to that power that God has placed in our life. And especially when it doesn't cause us to uh, go against the word of God, we may not like it. We may not feel good about it. We may be giving our tax dollars to uh, causes and things that we don't like, but that, 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 that's, that's the Lord's business. He says, give tribute to tribute. Tax to whom tax? Give it to them. I place them over you, and they're going to have to answer one day what they do with that, right? But we need to submit. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 16. We're going to read this uh, what Moses was sharing here. And again, I'm cherry-picking this specific event out because of where we are at in our country and where we are at in society. And just the, the fact that um, as we look around, again, we just see the rebellion of man. And my, my mom and my brother, they're police officers down in Florida. I've said this before, my mom's retired now. But she spent many years in the sheriff's department, on the road, and in the bailiff's division in the courtrooms. My brother is a major. He's got the whole road division underneath him in Lee County there. And, you know, just talking to them, it's amazing to, to see and to hear stories that they tell me that happen every day. I've heard them so many times in different stories, not even the same thing. Just there's so many to choose from. But they'll, they'll mention how they'll pull somebody over just for a traffic ticket. They'll just pull someone over for a traffic ticket. They'll get up to the door. They haven't even spoken a word yet. And the person's rolling down their window, yelling obscenities at them and, and, and saying all kinds of nasty things. You know, and it, it's just like, you know, I haven't even opened my mouth yet, and yet they're already in my face. There, there, there's no fear. There's no, there's no fear of anything uh, for these people, you know. And it's a shame. It's a shame. And they grew up probably in houses where authority wasn't um, stressed. And that's why it behooves us to encourage our kids, our grandkids, to respect authority, to respect their elders. It sounds like an old-fashioned thing, but it's biblical. You know, I even have a, you know, when I talk to people older than I am, sometimes I'll still say ma'am or sir, you know. And I may be their pastor, but because I, they're older than me and they've got more years under their belt and I respect them, I'll even say sir or ma'am, you know, and I, that's just the way I was brought up. My mom would, I think I can say this, if I despised or rejected authority or was it my mom would give me the right hand of fellowship. Yeah, yeah, a little harder than that though. <laughs> but let's turn to number 16. And again, we're just going to read through this, but I think you'll see in this a, a, a clear picture of what we're experiencing today. And even in uh, our own hearts, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves being like this if we're not letting the Spirit of God govern us. It says, Numbers chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and on the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, they took men 
And they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron. Notice that. They gathered against... Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited format, Simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location, and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.